What's up, everyone? Welcome back to When Cinephiles Attack, a weekly podcast where four movie fans test the limits of their friendship. I'm Mella, here with... Josh. Lacey. And Rashawn. Before we get started, y'all know what we do. Like, subscribe. You can support my caffeine addiction mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. Um, buymeacoffee.com backslash WCA. Grande iced coffee with half and half goes very well with Melabelle. No flavors? No. I just want to be clear, too. If you do the buy me a coffee, Mm -hmm. the the funds actually go to, like, making the podcast. To Rashad. Mella doesn't actually steal those just to buy coffee. I want that to be clear. Yeah, they go to Daddy Rashawn. They go to Rashawn producing this. (laughs) Yeah, that's really what it is. I was just being cute and funny. (laughs) So this episode is, uh, as you can see on the title, is a gift episode mm-hmm. for my my gal pal Josh mm-hmm. because he admitted to me not too long ago how much he fucking loves La La Land. And so I thought, how special would it be if I gifted him to be the host of this episode? Right, right. Mm-hmm. You've been talking about bringing this one to the pod for the longest time. I have. Yeah, I had some hesitation. And I don't know why, because now that I'm on here talking about it, I'm like, bitch, you love this movie. What, what, What's the issue? And I think my hesitation was more so you talking shit about it. But <laughs> <laughs> we're here and you're hosting half and I'm hosting half and we're, it's going to happen. Yeah, so we, we do a fun little uh, co-host action. Mm-hmm. Before we get into it, what have we been watching? Finally saw Banshees of Inishirin. Ooh, I love Martin McDonough. I read a bunch of his plays in high school and did a a couple of them, and I think all of his movies are great, and it's the exact kind of dark comedy that I like. And it's got Colin Farrell, who is rapidly approaching my new number one spot. Like, Brad Pitt is maybe on his way out. Whoa. Colin Farrell's had a banger of a year. He has to get out. He can't just be lower. No, no. I just get out of the way. Get out, get of, out of the one spot. Yeah, that's pretty huge. And uh, I, I haven't, I haven't seen the whale yet. We might talk about this in a later roundup. But if Colin Farrell won Best Actor at this year Academy Awards, I would not be upset. His, Damn. his character has a good little arc. Good little yeah. arc in it. And he's funny as shit, dude. He's so fucking funny. The movie was much funnier than I was expecting it to be. Much funnier than I was expecting it to be. But it was still extremely bleak. So. (laughs) Did you know Martin McDonough and Phoebe Waller-Bridge are together? They have been for like five years. Power Mm. couple. Uh, Lacey, have you been watching anything? We all watched something and I want to talk about it for a full episode, but it's not today. It's not today. Um, we all watched Matilda. Not, a, not like a full episode. Oh. Everyone was like, what? No, 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 no. I just want to talk about it for an hour right. and a half. We both were like, I'm really surprised you didn't do an episode on this. Yeah. I have loved Matilda. From, that was one of the first chapter books I read by myself. I loved the movie growing up. We're all known, but I'm I'm very much known on this podcast for bringing movies that are tender to my heart, and I was too afraid to bring Matilda, the new Matilda, to it. 
But I loved it. I loved every second of it. I think it's one of the best movie musicals to have been made in a very long time. Lashana Lynch, Lashana Lynch, Lashana Lynch is the perfect Miss Honey. I love her so much. I thought Emma Thompson was great as the trench bowl. I can't stop listening to the final song that Tim Minchin wrote to put in the movie. I loved everything about it. We're recording this today. It's January 2nd. Peek behind the curtain. And I was like, Josh, I don't even want to watch anything else. I just want to rewatch Matilda while I'm working today. And he was like, do it. And I was like, no, I can't. <gasps> it's January. He's about to go I crazy. did it. I made it. <laughs> I made it. I didn't wind up rewatching it, but I loved Matilda. Somebody else talk about it, please. The choreography went ham. I think I said it probably like twice. Like them little kids are getting moving it. <laughs> like the whole time. I haven't seen this on stage, but I can just visualize how well done it is on stage. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that doesn't work, but this really, really works. Like the lights and the costumes and everything. I was like, oh, this is this is very good. Roshani, what have you been watching? Um, I opened a gift that I got for Christmas. Ooh. I watched Wendy. Oh. And this was um my white elephant gift from Lacey. Um It's really okay <laughs> if you didn't like it. I just I was excited it's, that you were watching it because I liked it. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's I'm I'm really happy you gave it to me also because of the director. And um it's not that I didn't like it. I just think it it was really tough to follow up a movie like Beast of the Southern Wild. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think you and I are in a very interesting position because you saw Wendy first mm-hmm. and then I hope you watch Beast eventually. Mm-hmm. Um and I saw the reverse. And I think they are so similar down to the reuse of, of some of the musical cues and the score, mm-hmm. which is really, really similar. Um, so th- that was kind of in the back of my head as I was watching the movie, but I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad I watched it because I know you loved it. I think it was on your top of top five of 2020, I think. I don't know. I did it make so. the top five or was it just an honorable mention? Maybe not. There is a different Maybe one that honorable. did definitely make my top five. But that was Alice oh, and with... Peter Pan. Yes. Yes. I don't even remember what it's called. Uh, Lacey, you also opened your white elephant. I did. On New Year's Eve, Josh and I watched uh, Violent Night. Hell yeah. Mm, what did you think? It was a silly, stupid, good time. <laughs> it's, it's like exactly as advertised. It's yeah. not trying to be anything else. It's over the top. It's fun. It's got a like a Christmassy, like feel good kind of vibe to it. But also, it's David Harbor in grotesque, violent action as Santa Claus. <laughs> it's like it's exactly what it says it is. It was fun. Yeah, I really, yeah. I really enjoyed it. It is not. I, you know, the posters were everywhere. The promotion for this mm-hmm. was insane. And it's honestly not a movie I probably would have, like, been like, yeah, let's put that on. Yeah. But it was a, it was silly, stupid fun. Definitely worth watching. Uh, Mel, did you open your gift? I haven't yet. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I have, but I will. I just haven't It's yet. okay. Someone else hasn't either. 
Well, see, Lacey and I were driving home um, mm-hmm. from that recording, and um, I realized I think I forgot it at your place, so. Your gift? Yeah. Oh, I'll swing by. Drop it off. No, it's okay. It's the season's over. No, it'll be belated. It's still January. The tree's still up. He sure is. Is there like a goodwill in the in between? You might as well just like just drop it off. What if we rent it for you? He didn't gotta rent it. It's right there. It's free? Oh, you know what? Yeah, I might have seen it on um Criterion or something. I'm not going to watch it even if it's free 99. You are going to watch it and you're going to like it. <laughs> I don't even remember what it's called. <laughs> Desk set. Naturally, Lacey and I are just the brown nosing good students yeah, at the front of the nerds. class. We watched our movies. So. <laughs> we did our homework. Well, I assigned a good movie. so that's... It's on Prime. How do you know it's bad? You know, vibes. Oh, right, please. right, 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 right. Okay, co-host. Josh, take it away. Want to get into it? What are we fighting about, y'all? Josh. Uh-huh. Mella. Yes. <laughs> we are. We... Oh, that was almost so close. <laughs> I was trying. I was watching your mouth. Try again, try again. We, are... we sound like Dory are... when she's doing the whale, <laughs> whale talking. You do it. You do it. Lacey and I. Mm-hmm. Josh and Mella. Lacey and I sat down and watched La La Land. City of stars Are you shining just for me? City of stars There's so much that I can't see Who knows Is this the start of something La La Land is a 2016 romantic musical written and directed by Damien Chazelle. It stars Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone as a struggling jazz pianist and an aspiring actress who meet and fall in love while pursuing their dreams in L.A. John Legend, Rosemary DeWitt, Finn Whitrock, and J.K. Simmons appear in in supporting roles. La La Land. Where to begin with this? I feel like this movie i've said this before and i will fucking say it again was made in a factory for yours truly Mm -hmm. this seems on paper like something i would put into a romantic musical draft that we would have on this show i feel like every time i watch it i fall more and more in love with like the charm of what the movie is some of my favorite movies are referenced in here west side story i mean that's one of them but i feel like the the usage of color in this film alone is maybe give it to me every single time it's just an easy grab for me uh it has ryan gosling say no more emma stone say less it's just everything about it is just set up so perfectly for me fresh warm cotton candy in my mouth Every single time. (laughs) Yeah, so I've been pretty vocal about my feelings towards La La Land on this pod Mm -hmm. and how I don't 
I don't think it lived up to the hype and mm-hmm. overrated and yada yada yada. And for the longest time, this was you know I'm gonna get you to watch and bring me the pod or you know I made a New Year's that I'll rewatch it or. So I finally rewatched it. This is my first time watching it since 2016. Mm. Um, I'll say, I think I was a little too hard on it mm. in the past. Um, there are some things that rub me the wrong way about it, and we can get into it a little deeper after the surface level stuff. But I will say this, mm-hmm. the redemption arc. I think this is such an impeccably well-made movie mm-hmm. that it's kind of hard to give it a thumbs down. The choreography, the score is crazy. The the acting is, I mean, obviously. So I think, look at the growth. Yeah. I think can... I'm going from a thumbs down to a thumbs up. Hey. A very a very prickly thumbs up. Let's celebrate you. it. It's a cacti. Don't <laughs> sit on it. But... Ultimately, I think I'm a thumbs up now. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. I personally would like to hear Rashawn first and end with Lacey because I know Lacey also in the past backed me up about disliking La La Land. Okay. Unless you object, I would like to end with Lacey. No. Rashawn, let's hear it. This watch, I, I think this is like my fifth or sixth watch long time listeners will probably know my love of moonlight and the oscar race that kind of pit these two movies against each other and obviously i'm pro moonlight but i've always really loved la la land and i think my initial disappointment mel and i saw it on christmas day i believe probably around christmas time yeah. And I was really deflated. Like, I was super let down because I was expecting this huge, huge, bombastic musical. And I don't think that's what this movie is, even though there are some fantastic numbers in it. But the more I watch it, the more I love it. And this watch through really just hit me at a really uh, vulnerable time mm-hmm. and a time when I'm kind of questioning everything about myself and what I'm trying to do. And it is it like amplified how much I love this movie and kind of how much I love Damien Chazelle. I will talk about his newest film next week. Spoiler alert. Not but, spoiler uh, alert, but it is a spoiler alert for it is a week. spoiler alert. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but this is like a clean five stars for me. No notes. So we'll get into it obviously projecting a lot of my own feelings and and emotional state at this moment, but Mm -hmm. huge, huge, huge fan of La La Land. If you want to see, if you want to see those five stars in action, Rashawn, um, how, how could they read those reviews? The Simba tattoo on letterboxd. Hey, very eloquent thought out reviews. Um, as opposed to some of mine, you know what? Let's take a. I'm, let's just, take a, I'm just pretentious. That's fine. No, no, no. no. <laughs> there's pre, there's pretentious interviews, and then there's eloquent ones. So if you want, you, you can we take a quick, a brief letterbox break? This is a new segment. Letterbox Ooh. break. This is a new segment. I love movies. Letterbox break. I love watching them, and I love making them. Letterbox break. Rashawn, would you would you uh, 
Can I read your review for the class? Oh my gosh, sure. <laughs> so, Rashawn's review of La La Land on Letterboxd goes as follows. Treats falling and staying in love and following your dreams as parallel journeys, heartbreaking and soul-crushing in equal measure. While you're busy chasing one, the other's getting away. Damn. Gorgeous. Uh, then a recent movie we just did, uh, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. <laughs> I will do, I will do my review. Oh, okay. <laughs> what's you? Wait, what's your? Write anything? No, we'll go to mine. We're just comparing the things you could get oh, okay. if you follow the cinephiles on Letterbox. Uh, right, mine right. is <clears throat> Glass Onion and Knives Up Mystery. Uh, this movie fucking rules. <laughs> we like options. <laughs> we like uh, we have something for everyone. <laughs> so check the Sibba tattoo or check just Josh Vetter, my name, on Letterbox. <laughs> Give us a follow. It's my favorite app. I, I, it is. I scroll that more than I scroll any other social media. So definitely follow me here. All right, Lacey. What you got? Well, you spilled the beans a little bit that, yeah, we had similar feelings about this movie when it came out in 2016. I was so violently angry after that first watch that I was like, I'm never watching this again. Absolutely not. Whoa. And I hadn't until today. Uh, it's my second time watching it. I feel like Josh. I didn't walk away from this viewing angry. Um, I didn't walk away from this viewing upset. My feelings about the movie as a whole are my feelings on the commentary of an artist's life, or at least what the movie is saying in that commentary about the artist's journey, and some character things that I still just don't like. But overall, as a whole movie, I think it is spectacular. Hmm. Okay. It's a weird place to be in because there's a lot of things I disagree with the movie and there's a lot of things I, I don't want to say don't like, but like it's a pretty immaculately, immaculately made movie. Yeah. So it's like game recognize game. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> at this point, it's just down to the subjective nature of it all. Yeah. That I disagree with. Yeah. A waste of a lovely night. You say there's nothing here Well, let's make something clear I think I'll be the one to make that call What's your call? And though you look so cute in your polyester suit It's wool You're right, I'd never fall for you at all And maybe this appeals To someone not in heels Or to any girl who feels There's some chance the romance I'm frankly feeling nothing. Is that so? Or it could be less than nothing. Good to know, so you agree. That's right. What a waste of a lovely night. I'll start with one of my, my nitty gritties, my prickles, my prickly pears. I've come to find out, especially after today, but after years of consuming media, that I just don't really like movies about old Hollywood. <laughs> oh my god. God. Wow. Especially ones, the one exception I think is The Artist. I think The Artist is very good. 
I don't like movies that sort of romanticize that era. And uh, call me what's her name? Sebastian's sister. Oh. Rosemary. When he said, "You say romantic like it's a bad thing." That's what I'm saying right now. There's a lot of things that like it feels like old Hollywood is getting looked back on with rose-tinted glasses. Mm-hmm. That maybe it shouldn't be. It rubs me the wrong way. I don't like it, and I don't know if I like movies about old Hollywood. <laughs> I really wish I had brought Babylon. <laughs> I was going to say, you might not <laughs> I haven't like seen it Babylon. Yet, so I want to, though, because what multiple people, I think you either wrote it or liked it on Letterboxd, I've seen it in a tweet, have said, as opposed to a love letter to old Hollywood, Babylon feels like a ransom note to old Hollywood. <laughs> What about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Not my favorite Tarantino. Mm. Do you have a favorite Tarantino? Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Movie fucking rules. Uh, yeah, bring that one, Rashawn. Bring that movie on. What are you going to say about Inglorious Bastards? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I, so, I don't care. Everyone was was doing drugs and racist back then. What are we talking about? So are they are still. They're still doing that now. They're deciding better. Twenty twenty three. Okay, I, so I guess, they're just dressed nicer. Now what? It is very clear to me that Damien Chazelle, or it's very clear to anyone who watches his movies that Damien Chazelle loves movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I think there's a difference between romanticizing the actions of people back then, as opposed to paying homage to some of the really iconic films from that era. Because you can't really ignore, like, An American in Paris or West Side Story. Like, those are just cemented in cinema. So I I don't think this movie is interested in getting into the nitty-gritty. Now, if you want to talk about Babylon after you've seen it, we can do that. But I think this movie is so far removed from reality. It's just, like, a magic romance, you know what I mean? That... I think the romanticism is okay. Um, so in regards to Pangamash West Side Story, mm-hmm. if you had to put any character in La La Land in Brownface, who would you pick? What? <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> those, those faults of, of old Hollywood and movies are, are things that we have acknowledged and course corrected. Like Steven Spielberg just righted that wrong a year ago. You know, that's true. So I think you have to kind of take La La Land on its own merits as opposed to holding it accountable for a movie it didn't make. Mm-hmm. Good defense. Good defense. I still don't like them. <laughs> I, I don't know what there's not to like, though. Like, there is a romanticism just in the air of that era of movies and Damien Chazelle just perfectly encapsulates it in this yeah, and I it mean, feels good <laughs> it's fun and it's exciting to watch people dancing and the, the camera doesn't cut and it's mm-hmm. exciting to watch people singing live and I don't know how to explain it. Mel and I say it all the time. It's just a feeling that you get. And this mm-hmm. one, maybe it's the CinemaScope, you know, lens that's on it. I don't know. But it does. It just gives you that ah, kind of feeling in your gut. 
there is a, like a dreamscape quality yeah. quality to it that uh, Damien Chazelle captured it like that you same that you'd see in like Casablanca or Singing in the Rain like like he really truly captures it kind of perfectly it's a little nuts which cynicism aside is quite a <laughs> I feel like I'm the biggest cynic on this podcast and I love this movie <laughs> You and Josh kind of teeter yeah. cynicism. Depends on the topic. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I feel like this movie is like a a snow globe. Perfect. It's like everything, nothing no. about it is... Careful to P word. Is Nothing about it is real, except for when it does get real, which is about like, you know, following your dreams and, you know, life carries on and it, it may not be as quote-unquote perfect as you thought it was once upon a time that part is it's a little close to home which makes it kind of bittersweet at the end every time I've watched it I, I feel like the next time I'm like nah I'm not gonna cry I've seen it I'm okay and then at the end it's like that one little last look that I'm like oh god and it just fucking punches me in the gut and I feel like it's not even just the end, but it's like the buildup from the romance that we're talking about and the charm and the old Hollywood style and the nostalgia that just grows and grows and grows for like two hours that by the time you are at the end, for me, the the tears aren't even of sadness, but it's just kind of like, I'm overwhelmed. Just a release. Yeah, just a release all of the movies that it was inspired by give you that feeling. Let's talk about that. Yes. Uh, Lacey and everybody. It's this movie touches on and Rashawn, you touched on it in your letterbox review about the idea of, of your artistic pursuits and your romantic pursuits or your romantic life being a parallel road, not being mutually exclusive, however you want to describe it. And and the married couple <laughs> in in the room did kind of butt heads with that idea a little bit. You want to talk about it a little, Lacey? As we were just discussing, I was thinking about why this time worked for me a little bit more. Because, peek behind the curtain, the first time I watched it and this time I had moments of, oh, I just don't like Emma Stone. I don't like Mia. <laughs> And I don't know if that's just Emma Stone's style that doesn't work for me in some roles, if it's the character of Mia, but what I've come around to is the movie is not about the romance between Mia and Sebastian. I think the movie is Mia's and Sebastian separately, but really Mia's love story with LA and her dreams and her career. I think that's we're taken on the journey with Sebastian because that's a part of her story. But that whole final ballet dance sequence that happens, dream sequence, you know, the last scene in the bar is all from her perspective of an ideal situation. If if Sebastian had changed course or if Sebastian had been her perfect person to fit into this life and I didn't like that 
the first time I watched it and I didn't like it this time because as two people who are both artists and married, yes, you have to make sacrifices in your time to make both things work, but neither partner is expecting the other to give up everything in order to make one dream or the other come true. And I'm not saying that's what Mia wanted, but in showing that dream sequence from her perspective, it, that's kind of what we're seeing. And I don't like that because you don't have to choose between happiness and your dreams. Like those two things should hopefully coincide together. She did get happiness and she did get her dream. It just wasn't with Sebastian. She, you know, she's at this performance. She hasn't seen him in five years. She honestly was only with Sebastian for like a year, right? Like a full season, four seasons. I feel like she's sitting there. If things, you know, butterfly effect, if, you know, Keith hadn't come up to her, him at the bar, if I had have done, would have done this, da, 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 da. If certain things wouldn't have happened, then we don't know what course we would have been on. But I think it because we start by showing her with going back to the Warner Brothers studio and having this handsome husband and a daughter and this beautiful house and she got her dream. But the, but for us as an audience, it seems like, oh, well, she is lacking in her dream because she didn't have Sebastian. I don't think that was a necessarily a part of her dream. I think he was a stepping stone to get to her dream. My thing is both of their dreams could have happened while they were together. There's no reason they had to break up. Right? I don't think wanted. so. Like I feel... he's going to be on tour and she's going to be in Paris. Like those can both those can both exist at the same time. If you want it bad enough. Maybe they didn't want each other bad enough. I don't know. <laughs> this is coming from two people too who made long distance work for like 18 yeah. months. So Yeah. So suck it up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the logistics, in my opinion, don't necessarily matter because the movie isn't about whether they can whether they're going to achieve their dreams or not. It's about whether or not they're gonna do it together. Mm-hmm. Like this is a, a fantasy and both of these people are gonna get what they want what they want. And I think more important than the final montage is the conversation they have on the bench before that mm-hmm. where they kind of both they both pushed each other to be the best person they could possibly be and that's that's all they needed it's one of those i think it's really important that the movie is cut into the segments of seasons because it's like people walk into your life for a reason a season or a lifetime and I think they got what they needed for those seasons and then they had to part ways. I don't think they were supposed to be together forever. And I think that's where that heartbreak comes in that final montage because us watching the movie, it's a romance, it's a musical. Of course, our two leads are supposed to be together. But I, I think it's also a tragedy because they meet, they fall in love and they get what they need from each other and then they have to separate. But they don't have to choose to the way i interpret the ending is sebastian i don't know look fine well you want to know my other bugaboo 
What? Can we get into it? Mia sucks. <laughs> she sucks? Why? She's a bad guy. <laughs> Why? The, the bad guy. The, the, final, the final dream sequence will start there since we're already talking about it. In her ideal situation, her dream, Sebastian doesn't have a dream. He just follows her around. Sebs isn't a thing. Chicken on a stick isn't a thing. In her dream scenario, he uh, he's happy just kind of playing piano at a random bar wherever she is. She no. doesn't... No, that's the... The bar he's at is Sebs. In the in the Paris in the in the Paris, <laughs> no, oh, it's yeah, the montage. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not. It's Sorry. not his bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just like they're in they're in France, and he's just playing at a random club. I, that's all I'm saying. I so fucked up. It's fucked I up. I took it more so as because of the conversation at the table when he she surprises sucks her. There, sorry. She's like, what? well, do you like the music that you're playing? And he's like, well, what does it matter? He's pinning it on her. And she's like, I, I mean, huh? it's not on in the fucking script. Or sorry, he's pinning it on her. Yes. she. He's like putting words in her mouth. And all she's saying is, you have a dream. Just go for it. She never asked him to go on tour. The only thing he heard was her talking to her mom. And the mom saying, well, does he have a steady job? And she says, no, but he's going to have one and you're going to love it. And from that, he creates this whole idea like, I got to have a steady job. I'm the man. I got to make the money. I got to do this thing. And she's like, I never fucking said any of that. So in the in the dream sequence, I, I don't think she's a villain for seeing him playing jazz in any bar. Because of when he first meets her and he's like, look at this. This is just a bunch of guys playing music and they love it. And I feel like that's exactly what he wants to do. He doesn't necessarily want to be famous or do this or do that. He just wants to play jazz no matter what. He wants his own club. He wants chicken on a stick or Sebs. And, and that's that's what she was pushing to pushing him to do at the table. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden in her perfect scenario, fuck it. I I think those are two separate things. Like the the fight at the table, mm-hmm. which is an amazing scene, I think, is their current situation i think at the end she's just imagining that the man sitting next to her is sebastian oh right which is fucked not up. that not that he didn't achieve anything and he's just there to support her she's just like man that connection i had with this man wouldn't it be nice if that was him sitting next to me i think cool. i don't think it's like man i wish he had done nothing <laughs> you know and i achieved my dreams but also to back up sebastian a little bit how is he supposed to open Sebs if one, he doesn't have this really good paying gig mm-hmm. or two, he's following you to Paris. He can't do, you're, t- you're telling him to follow his dreams. He can't do it if he's not doing, I don't know. I, th- I don't, but I, 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 don't I don't think don't she, know. I don't get that from the table. Yeah. The, she... t- the fight starts because he wants her to go to Boise to follow him. Right. For like, only for like two or three yeah. days. Yeah. Wasn't it just yeah, like for a weekend? For Months now, years. Yeah, I don't be. This is it. I mean, this is it could feasibly be. Yeah, for a, I could be on tour with this for a couple of years at least. Just this record. Do you like the music you're playing? I don't. I don't know what what it matters. 
Well, it matters because if you're gonna give up your dream, I think it matters that you like what you're playing on the road for years. Do you like the music I'm playing? Yeah. I do. I just didn't think that you did. Yeah, well, you, you know, always said Keith is the worst, and now you're going to be on tour with him for years. So I just didn't. I don't know what, what are you doing. Know right if now? you were happy. Why are you doing this? I don't. <laughs> I do thought you, you wanted me to do this. It just sounds like now you don't want me to do it. What do you mean? I wanted you to do this. This is what you wanted from me. To be in this band. To be in a band. To have a steady job. You know. To 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 be. You know. Of course, I wanted you to have a steady job so that you could take care of yourself and your life and you could start your club. Yeah, so I'm doing that, so I don't understand. Like, why aren't we celebrating? Why aren't you starting your club? You said yourself no one wants to go to that club. No one wants to go to a club called Chicken on a Stick. So change the name. Well, no one likes jazz, not even you. I do like jazz now because and of you. And this is what I thought you wanted me to do. What am I supposed to do? Go back to playing Jingle Bells? I'm not saying that. I'm saying Scraping why don't you pennies take so I can start what you've a club made and, no one and wants start the club? That people will want to go to it because you're passionate about it, and okay, people look. love what <laughs> people are passionate about. I think there's this. We all are are some sort of creative people. You have to be a little selfish. Yeah. I mean, and it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you selfish or a villain. Or it doesn't make you a villain. You you have to kind of at some point, put yourself first. Not for your entire life, not over your entire relationship, but there are points where you have to choose yourself. And I think that's what that fight at the table is about, is that they're both realizing that they're having to choose themselves in this moment, and it's they're butting heads, and it's not working. And it's the one moment in this really fantastical movie that reality hits. That's why, like, that room is drained of all color, it's desaturated. It's just like a sobering moment for the both of them where they're like, man, the music stops, the record stops playing, and they're like, this might not work. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think either of them being selfish in those moments means that they're a bad person in the relationship. I don't think there is a bad person in the, out of the two of them, but... I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say even some smaller than that, like... I think everything you said is true and again, very eloquent, but <laughs> I think even just him being like, come to Boise. And she's like, I'm working on this play that, you know, I've been working on. I can't just fucking leave. And I think that is him being a little selfish and her having to not even, I don't even think it's her being selfish. I think it's just like, you know, I'm in the middle of this. I can't just leave. Like, yeah, maybe maybe sometime soon after the play. But even still, he's like, I'm off to be on tour for whoever knows, however long. And then he doesn't even make it to the show. Yeah. Well, why? Why can't she go? It's a one-woman show. She doesn't seem to be rehearsing in the space. If it's L.A. theater, like we know L.A. theater, <laughs> you don't get to be in there until the day of. So... Why can't well, she I, rehearse in their hotel room while he's playing? Baby, this watch hit home. Huh? Uh, uh. Trust, it did. Well, I <sighs> uh, because it hit home, I'm th- in that scene, I was like, okay, I'm talking to a dude. I love him, whatever. I'm in the middle of the morning show. And he's like, yeah, come to fucking New York for three days. I'm not going to just tell Rashawn, like, Hey, um, I know I'm the lead of the show, but I'm going to be gone for three days because Boo Thing wants me there. 
That's it's the difference, happening. though. There was no Rashawn for her. She was the Rashawn. But to me, that show was one night. I don't think she could have like left because she only had a like one showing. Was you know it, what I mean? Is it was it for sure that he wanted her gone during the show night? Well, it was it was at the same time. She had two oh, weeks you mean, until you mean the show. The performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was before. Yeah. Also, it's confirmed. It. I don't remember. It's it's five years. The five year time jump. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, there's a title card. So hear me out. Um, I'm no experts in babies, so I'll I, I'll. Oh I'll God. Ask Lacey. Lacey, how old do you think that little girl is? I would say three. Three. Mm-hmm. So three three years. Nine months, obviously, for the birthing process. So that's just under four years. Mm-hmm. What's going on there? What do you mean? She moved on. She met the guy. Did she? Because that look at the end. She lit. Well, they, literally they literally just got say, done. Said I will always love you. <laughs> I, know, they're like, I will fucking always love you. They say goodbye. And then a year, she and then went a year to Paris later, and she moved on. Yeah, but then. But that's fast. But did she move on? Because they said I'll always love. They make it seem like this is their both of their great loves in their life. I and think you got. Sorry, go ahead. That final sequence and that final look that they share, that feels adulterous to me. Like oh, if I guys. knew that Josh was turning to some ex girlfriend from high school. And fantasizing about how their life might have turned out if they had stayed together, I would feel like the deepest cut of betrayal. But you mm-hmm. would never know that. That doesn't change God anything. Damn. <laughs> that no, doesn't that's change that like, level of hurt. And I mean, that is a, a betrayal of trust between partners, too. It's fucked up. I think you guys are proving. The points of the ending. <laughs> the tragedy of That's the ending. That's how much it hurts. That it That's does how much hurt. it hurts. That it's like, yes, this, it is a soulmate. But I feel like, yes, it's a soulmate that I had to leave behind. That I had to move on. This is not like the father of my child. But even this watch, I was looking specifically at her new husband. And he doesn't for a second look at her. Because even Rashawn was like, I would look at Ryan Gosling looking at my wife and then look at my wife like, why is Ryan Gosling staring at you? And I said, I don't think he would see that because if she's a big star, like we're led to believe in the movie, she has a huge ass poster on the wall. Her husband is probably so used to her getting stared at all the time. So I don't think it's like as big of a betrayal as we're seeing it because or as you're seeing it. Because she's literally just sitting there being like, damn, we were really in love. I, I wonder what it would have been like. But guess what? I'm going home to my husband and my kid at the end of this. But she looked satisfied. And you know what? Here's the thing. You said they had they had to separate. The love mm-hmm. of their life had to separate. No, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't have to. <laughs> Suck it up. Do long distance for a year. You People have don't want to do mo- that. What movie is that? Like, that's not interesting. <laughs> like, they had, this is, we're watching a movie. Okay, but we are watching a movie that is all about an homage to old Hollywood. What happens in old Hollywood movies? 
get together. They get, they get the together. They get not the movie the that ending. I think this is most heavily based on. The two people in love do not end up together. I get like I get it, and a lot of their actions in the real world would be unacceptable, but I do think in this very highly stylized fantasy, the heartbreak from these two people is palpable and understood. But I think to look at it in this very binary good bad actions thing kind of does a disservice to the to the movie. I'm not saying I understand. We are I don't also on a podcast where where we're supposed to do that. <laughs> so there. <laughs> good bad movies, yes. Good bad people, I I don't think. That's all I do. <laughs> I know. I don't think. I don't think. Either of them are bad people. I want that to be clear. I'm not saying, like, one is good, one is bad. We root for one, we don't root for the other. I don't feel that way at all. I know you do, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying, like, I, this is, was my big problem the first time I watched it. And it's, I guess it is still a problem now. Is like, you're leading us through this epic romance. And, like, for me personally, this movie mostly because of the final dream sequence feels like an American in Paris that's what this movie feels like to me so I'm waiting for that for her to turn around at the end and it's all happy they end up together whatever and we don't get that so I think that's that's I just I get it but I want the happy Hollywood movie how are you watching Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind every okay. every six but months? I I that's or or where where is your adultery card when Rachel McAdams jumps into Ryan Gosling's arms? Oh, I said I don't. I said I'm sad for James Marsden. That is very upsetting. But the movie is very much like these are our heroes, and I think what Rachel McAdams does. Is way worse than Emma's very clear. I'm not saying worse or worse or worse or. I know. I'm <laughs> yeah. directing Josh's. Yeah, you should come to yeah. me with that. Yeah, yeah. Josh is. Josh. But but you're kind of saying the same thing. I'm saying I my prop my big problem with this movie is the will to tell. A story about Hollywood and a story about dreamers and that experience. And we're following along these two people who are struggling. I mean, we are four artists who also live in Hollywood. And we know how fucking hard it is to be here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we're shown their struggle all the way up until Mia's big break. And Mm -hmm. that big break to me... Still sits a little wonky and I don't like it. I loved everything up until there's eight people sitting in the audience. Eight people sh- show up to see this one night, one woman show. That is reality. That is what mm-hmm. we have been seeing. Mm-hmm. But then one of those people just so happens to be a casting director who just so happens to be making a movie and they just so happen to want to like that. And then flipping back to like, okay, they're both going to get their dreams. I don't know. I just don't think this movie knows 
which way to go? <laughs> Reality or dream sequence? That's one of the reasons why I love it is that it is so contemporary when it comes to there is the Emma Stone of it, who I think is a very contemporary actress. The faces she does, her performance, the fact that I don't really think she can sing all that much. Um, and I thought I had a problem with it for a while, but then as I like watched it, I'm like, okay, it's fine. It's not like Ryan Gosling's up in there belting either. But I think a part of the charm of it is that it is back and forth. To your point that we are out here, we've been out here for fucking 300 million years, it feels like. And we are always back and forth with, oh, we just got this, this show when it feels like a fucking dream. And now the show is over and we're back to our real jobs and this is life. And then, oh my God, I got this gig and it's, it's, it's huge. It's paying me big time. And now that's over and we're back working at the mall again. So I think it is, it is rose colored glasses sometimes, but then sometimes they completely fall off and that's life. And I feel like part of the romance is that, is that, we fell in love and we had an amazing relationship and we found not only who we are, but our careers. And that's all we were to each other. And there's something so romantic and so real about that, that she can't get from her husband. So when she is seeing him at the end, she's like, I, my whole way of being and is because of this man and him to her as well. And he's like, I'm here living my dream at Seb's and looking at her like, holy shit, you got your dream too. And I think that's the look that they give. Not like, miss you, love you. It's just like, oh shit, you re you really did it. Oh, I think it's definitely love. I mean, I think there's love. There's love there. But I think it's more so we did this in like a wink. We couldn't have done it without each other. See, I think I would like that if that's the feeling I got. But the feeling I get is like regret <laughs> and remorse and yeah, can I get that's that perfect. What? That's perfect. No, you can have both. <laughs> I hate this toxic mentality within the arts that like you have to suffer for your art. We do. We that's that's what we sign up for. This isn't a business industry. It's a money game. It's a numbers game. But like. You can be happy in the pursuit of your art. And no, it's not all the time. But like, ah, I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be sad <laughs> when I'm thinking about my dreams. I want to dream. I think you're right. You, you can be happy and chase your dreams. But I think, not to like go back to my review. Find <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> them on Letterboxd, y'all. Jesus Christ. But those those pursuits are, are parallel and i think it looks like they one is the cause of the other's effect but they they just happen to be happening at the same time so it looks like oh we couldn't be together and we also couldn't have our dreams but i think outside of them wanting to be a pianist and an actress they might not have worked out regardless i think they just realized it in a mature way mm. and then they ended up getting what they both wanted in their careers and then they meet again 
So I, I think the movie has to have them both happen at the same time, but I don't think they couldn't be together because they had to be successful. I think both of those things were just simultaneous, if that makes sense. Yeah. Is that Superman's um, long-lost brother? There's Kal-El, his dad Jor-El, and then his brother Parallel. I fucking hate you. Joshua Allen. <sighs> So I will. I will cut that out. <laughs> Please, he's embarrassed. And she loved it so much that she wants you to come in tomorrow and audition for this huge movie that she's got. I'm not going to that. I'm not going to that. What? That one's gonna be no. That one's gonna be. I'm sorry. That will kill me. What? 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 Stop! No! You have to be quiet. If you, you want me, to, then you have to make sense. If you want me to be call. quiet, you have to make some goddamn sense. You tell me why They're you're not going. It's because, because why? I've been to a million auditions, and the same thing happens every time, where I get interrupted because someone wants to get a sandwich, or I'm crying and they start laughing, or there's people sitting in the waiting room and they're and they're like me but prettier mm. and better at the because maybe I'm not good enough. Yes, you are. No. No, maybe I'm not. Yes, you are. Maybe I'm not. You are. Maybe I'm not. You are. Maybe I'm one of those people that has always wanted to do it, but it's like a pipe dream for me, you know? And then you you set it. You you change your dreams and then you grow up. Maybe I'm one of those people and I'm not supposed to. Last I thing about I can go back you. to school. I promise. And I can find something else that I'm supposed maybe. to do. All I'm saying is, do you remember why they went to Seb's in the first place? Because she wanted to get dinner off the roof. Because she uh, bailed on seeing her friend's show. That's it. That's all I'll say. What if it was like a friend you, you really didn't even like care to see that much? <laughs> <laughs> like that ass, I thought about that. Because I'm like, you, you know, like let's not, let's not bullshit. We've all been like, okay, I'm going to go. And then you really don't want to go. And you don't even know the friend that all that well. Come but along. I also think the movie kind of comments on like how cyclical that is because it starts after the time jump, it starts with her in the same situation in a different position because she goes to the coffee shop and she's now on the other side of that interaction. Mm -hmm. And so when she tells her husband, like, let's just go, like she knows how it feels to have no one show up at your show. And now kind of. It's doing the same because she's a bad mamma jamma. But there's another Mia across town doing her one-woman show, and now Emma Stone's not showing up. And I, I think there are those moments where the hurtful part of this industry and this city kind of creeps up on you. And I, mm -hmm. I think that's one of those moments where she's like, yeah, I don't really want to go to that show. Who, aside from Ryan and Emma, would you guys have cast? I will say... I, I fell for the big internet talking point of this movie um, in the past few years. I'm like, it's a movie about a white man saving jazz. Da, da, da. And I was like, yeah, that's why it sucks. And I was like, rewatching, it's like, not really. It's just a guy, a white guy who loves jazz and opens a successful jazz club. So, Xavier Giselle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that being said, though, it would be cool to see a black actor in the role of Sebastian. But I couldn't think of any, like, I was like, John Legend. No, 
but like think I couldn't think of any young black actors who are also like musicians like that, like Ryan John or Johnson, or like Ryan Gosling's band. Mm-hmm. So I aged him up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me Common as Sebastian, like kind of a joke, but not really. <laughs> you are not having ball headed Common up. <laughs> Let's Gideon roll those Star. fucking <laughs> dice, dude. Let's God. roll those dice. <laughs> Let's see what you got. I'm fucking dead with that. <laughs> it's worth a shot, right? You don't know. You know what? Andre 3000. Hmm. That'd be kind of cool. Like the tortured artist. You know what? Yeah, sorry, Common. You've been, you've you've been, been fired. Off the you've been fired on day one. Uh, Andre 3000. Okay. That's my, that's my recast. I recasted Sebastian and Mia as Sebastian and Micah. Um, and I would cast Jonathan Bailey and Jeremy Pope. Let's give it a listen. Oh, damn. He will be, he's playing Fiero. So he's, who is he? He would probably be Sebastian and Jeremy Pope would be the Emma Stone analog. Mm. Micah. Incredible singer. Jeremy Pope? He started on Broadway. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, damn. Lace, do you have anyone? Yeah, I I immediately, because I love her so much, especially right now and especially after her performances this year, but I was like, Lashana Lynch, Mia. Yes, absolutely. And then I was thinking, I had a hard time. I was between three different actors for Sebastian, but I think I would go with Corey Hawkins. Yeah, he was Benny in in the Heights. Um, and Snoop oh, Dogg. Shit. Oh, not you know. I said Snoop Dogg. He played Dr. Dre. Yeah, and yeah, that's right. Hell yeah. Um, I think they would just like be magnetic together. Hmm, little chocolate love. Hmm. Can I keep Common but put him in John Legend's role? Yeah, that's better. That's works fine. That work. Oh my God, Camilla. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do this. Listen, I want to address something in the pod. Okay. When I first saw this. haunted us since 2016. Yes. When I first saw this movie, one of the first things I said was John Legend being in this movie was so fucking random. Yes. I will take that back. And after many years, I will say it's not random that's not the word I meant. I more so meant it as I couldn't not see John Legend. Yeah. Yeah. So when he pulls up on screen, you're like, oh, John Legend. You expect him to introduce himself as John Legend. Yeah. And it would have been the same performance. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve the role because he's a musician. (laughs) I'm just saying that you're like, oh, it's John Legend versus yeah. it being that's how I feel another about actor. Josh Groban, like in what in anything, it's yes. just like he's Josh Groban. <laughs> yes, he was John he's, Legend. Yeah, and, he's a famous musician playing a famous musician yeah. in a musical. Right. Like it's okay if he's John Legend. Also, I think like <laughs> I would be into the Messengers. They're the band that's in the movie. I feel like the music's great. <laughs> Yeah, they could have tried hard to make it. I get that she's cringing because it's like his art, but I was also like, <laughs> it's, it's a John wrong. Legend song. What it's very good. 
they kind of rock. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, it's not that bad. I think them bringing on the dancers kind of push it forward where you're like, oh, this is just super poppy yeah. and this is not and what he wants doing, to do. Like, the synth yeah. Now that the, the part for me that like made it a very cringe situation was the photo shoot. Like that just, that whole scene made me, like I even just now went like, Ugh. like it made me sick to my stomach. That's the part of the industry that I hate. Not uh, photographers. He's a, not photography. Just the, the fakeness of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a fun game. Um, do you blame? Is he in the right? Is he in the wrong? Uh, J.K. Simmons character. Shouts out to Academy Award winner J.K. Simmons. Uh, What's batting a thousand him? in this part? Yeah, to fire him, but he also gave him a second chance. Do, do you like thoughts on J.K. Uh, Simmons' part? Because Lacey and I talked no, about it a little, he, little bit. He deserved to get fired. Yeah. Yeah, because it doesn't seem like this is the first time. Like I don't even right. think that was a second chance. It's it's a two it's a two parter for me because like yes I think he deserves to get fired because it's clear that he's giving him at least a second chance. But with that said, Bill is his name apparently. Mm-hmm. Bill, let him be jazzy. Yeah, anything else? Mm, let me look at my notes. I love this movie. Me too. There's a movie called. There's a movie called. The Umbrellas of Sherbert. Uh, that's what I was going to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's one of Damien Chazelle's favorite movies. Um, I watched it last year as part of my uh, resolution. Uh, finish. Um, <laughs> but um, it's a really beautiful movie about two people who are kind of separated by circumstance and uh, end up leading very different lives. And the ending is all silent kind of what if sequence that the ending of this movie is pretty much based on. And um, I would definitely recommend it. It's a really beautiful movie, the colors and pop and it's very sad. It's set during Christmas. It's snowing. It's just heartbreaking. Um, But uh, it's also a movie about two people who don't end up together. Mm. And it's a musical. Yeah. I'm sad I didn't get to watch it before this. It was on the agenda, but, you know, like life, it steers in its own direction. Damn. Okay. (laughs) Who wants to play a game? Me. I want to play a game. All right, everyone. Gird your loins. Riddle me this. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. I despise guessing games. Come on, boy. Boy, play with me. Riddle me that. All right, y'all. I'm in charge of the game. This is the one part you did. I call this game uh, an homage to old Hollywood. Oh, no. So. I'm scared. I have remade some old Hollywood movies with modern actors. I'm going to give you a very brief synopsis of this new movie with the actors, the new actors. Whoever buzzes in, your job is to tell me the movie and the two actors that I uh, replaced, the, the original actors in the original movie. Okay. I have an example. Would you like to hear the example or just roll yes, with please. it and add that to the tally board? Example. So like my example, would be, this doesn't count for any points. My example would be if I said uh, Timothy Chalamet 
rides into town on his motorcycle with his slicked back hair and devil may care attitude to upset Natalie Dyer's suburban life? The answers, the points would be Rebel Without a Cause, James Dean, and Natalie Wood. Got it. Those would be your three points available. Perfect. Do we want to do interrupting answers or do you want to wait till I'm done? Interrupting. Interrupting it is. Sean. Um, I know. As soon as I said it, I regretted it. No, you didn't. All right, you guys ready? Yeah. Ready. Just remember, I'm going to name three actors, and so you got to... Three actors? If you, I mean, sorry, there's three points. I'm going to name two actors. And gotcha. so you might not know which characters, which actors, just mm. if you're feeling like interrupting, just, mm. just so you know. You ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. These are all classic Hollywood movies. Florence Pugh, on the run from the law, pulls off the highway towards a dilapidated building. As she pulls into the parking lot, she sees Freddie Highmore descend the steps of an old house overlooking the Bates Motel. Lazy. Uh, Psycho. Mm-hmm. Anthony Perkins. Mm-hmm. And Janet Lee. Yes, three points for Lacey. I really panicked. I was like, Janet Lee Curtis. No. <laughs> Jamie Lee's mother. No. Okay. I mean, Freddie Highmore's been crushing him. Why is it all to keep him in the role? You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the good doctor right there. <laughs> <laughs> so this next one is only one. One actor. So two points total for this one. Got it? Mm-hmm. Jack Black grips the base of the globe, a close-up of his lips. He whispers, Rosebud. Sean? Fucking nuts. Um, Orson Welles in Citizen Kane. Mm. That is correct. (laughs) All I'm saying is Orson Welles is a little young. He's a little young for that. He made it. Yeah, but... So to make up for it, this next one, uh, four points, three actors in this one. Ready? Mm-hmm. Ready. Tom Holland, Zendaya, and Anthony Ramos all sing Good Morning. Rashawn. Singing in the Rain. Oh Gene Kelly. Debbie Reynolds. Damn it, I don't remember his name. Lazy? Oh, no, I'm wrong. It's not. I'm wrong. What? Really? Frank Sinatra. It's not. No. Fred Astaire. Uh, no. Mel, do you have a guess? No. His first name is Donald. It's Donald Glover. It's Donald Make Glover. Them. That's correct. <laughs> Donald just, just watched it. it. <laughs> All right. Um, Amber Mid-Thunder sets off on her journey into this new strange land. Along the way, she runs into Bill Hader, who quickly informs her of his one and only wish to finally... Oh, Mel? The Wizard of Oz. That's correct. Judy Garland. Uh-huh. Jack Rayner. <laughs> Incorrect. Two Not points, though, to Mel. <laughs> um, Rashawn or Lacey, I think I saw Rashawn's hand next. Do you know? Do you have a guess I on this should next know. actor? I'm going to say Margaret Hamilton, just in case you switched it up. <laughs> Mm-mm. Lacey? Oh! Uh, no, I'm scared. Mar- Mella said Jack. I don't know. No. Roy Bolger? It's Ray Bolger. I'll give it to you. Ray Bolger. <laughs> I'll give it to you. 
the way that Bill Hader would body the scarecrow role. Yeah, that would be cute. Be a little sticky. Right. Go watch Barry. Think that's sticky? Come on. Barry. No, I don't. But I think his scarecrow would be sticky. Um, his only wish to finally have a brain. Aw. Okay, I'm on the board. Uh, Rashawn, you have five. Lacey, you have four. Melly, you have two. Love it. There are three points left. One final movie. So, Melly, you could tie it up. Lacey, you could win it. Rashawn could take it home. I'll think of a tiebreaker if Melly gets all three. You guys ready? As the body of Sterling K. Brown floats, Kate Winslet glides down the staircase. Rashawn? Sunset Boulevard. That is correct. Gloria Swanson. Yep. And... Oh, fuck me. I don't remember his name. For bragging rights, does anyone know? William Holden. Can you guys imagine how good that would be? That'd be really good. Who was it again? Kate Winslet. Oh, 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 yeah. Mm-mm. What? She can't do, like, big like that. We've never yes, seen I, it. Now I want to say she can't. It's Kate Winslet. but She was Ophelia. It's not. It's not. It's not that, <laughs> but it's she can do it. Well, despite his recent comments, Rashawn wins. She wasn't that. An homage to old Hollywood. What did I Maybe call Tony it? Tony Collette. Sorry, <laughs> Tony Collette would be fucking good. What was your guys' favorite new cast? Wizard of Oz is cute. The Singing in the Rain was cute. Singing, Singing in the Rain, the rain would be very cute. I mean, uh, I think Tom Holland is playing Gene Kelly, isn't he? No, that's Chris fucking Evans. Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't do it, but if they're going to do it, it should be Tom Holland. Uh, Gene Kelly had range? Okay, so Rashawn wins that. Not on this internet. <laughs> oh, just because he's in old Hollywood means he's perfect? We're not getting into this again. Just because he's Spider-Man? I'm not, saying he, I'm not saying he has a range. I'm asking if Gene Kelly had range. Yeah, yes. <laughs> name, okay. Stop now. Did, did, any, did any black and white actor were they bad can you name me a bad actor who is a star of black and white Hollywood? no because i don't know their names but there were plenty well Rashawn. Jim kelly was in color but um, classic Hollywood. i'm not because, saying they're bad because they're all Jim romanticized kelly is not the example to you no. <laughs> <laughs> no. he's he is my springboard into a further point that josh baby go ahead and wrap up the game because you're gonna it's, lose this it, one right it here. said rashawn wins you're the co-host <laughs> You better stop me, because you're the only Rappy one who want to control this episode. Rashani for winning that old Hollywood. You know, he also co-directed Singing in the Rain. Don't do this. Don't do this right now. I actually didn't know that. That's pretty impressive. Gene Kelly is amazing, wa- Josh. Do you want to do the conclusion, Josh? Because I'm never good at this. Sure. Yeah. Uh, in conclusion, I think we can all agree that Gene Kelly was incredible. <laughs> that... Not today, Satan. Not today. I want. I want to say that because I was just using him as a springboard. Of I wasn't going to put any of this in, so you're safe. Whatever. And now I need to say it now. Of course, I think Gene Kelly's good. I'm just saying. Some people think old Hollywood is perfect. That's all. It's not. That was not the argument you were making. Mm-mm. Well. Maybe I've only seen Gene Kelly dance, so I don't know if he had range. And I was asking a legitimate question, and then I got jumped on. So no, my immediate response not. is to get defensive. You know what how you double down, Josh. You doubled Your down. Tone. That's what I'm saying. My, th- Your I got tone. I was, I got attacked. So I, so I dug my heels in because that's my natural response. Oh my god! All, 
All I asked, all I asked was, does Gene Kelly have rage? Uh, no, and you, you said, like, mm-hmm. does Gene Kelly have rage? Mm-hmm. I was curious. Mm-hmm. I was curious. Oh, so now you're making fun of my voice. Yep. Josh, wrap it the fuck up. <laughs> you also implied that I was just saying he's good because he's from the olden days. I wasn't getting a straight answer, and so I had to attack. The best defense is uh, an overly aggressive attack. No. Wrap it up, Josh. <laughs> he danced with Tom and Jerry, you loon. He's amazing. Wrapping things up. Uh, it seems that we can come to the conclusion that Damien Chazelle is a very, very good filmmaker. That the song and dance numbers, as well as the score in La La Land, are sublime. And that uh, J.K. Simmons is awesome. He is. He's always a delight to have around. So next week, we have our episode on our top movies of 2022. So our Six Degrees is actually going to be on the episode after that. So... Who can find the fastest connection between the star of this week's movie, Emma Stone, and the star of our next movie, Kristen Stewart? Who was the other I got one? it. Okay, thank God. <laughs> what is it, Rashani? Uh... Emma Stone is in The Help with Viola Davis, who is in Fences with Denzel, who's an inside man with Jodie Foster, who's in Panic Room with Kristen Stewart. I was trying to go to Panic Panic Room, too. She's her daughter. Does she have, like, asthma or something? Mm -hmm. She does have a very, very bad asthma. Did anyone see Underwater? Box. Yeah. How was it? Uh, it's it's cool. Is that the one with the buzz cut? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, sorry, editing Rashawn, just for the last like ten minutes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> catch catch the second half of this episode in the blooper reel. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode of When Cinephiles Attack. As always, we'd love if you took a moment, like, subscribed, and rated us on Apple Podcasts. You can find this and all of our episodes on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Good Pods, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at CinephileAttack. And if you have a suggestion for a new episode, or you want to show us some love, email us at whencinephilesattack at gmail.com. From Mella. Josh. Lacey. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you at the movies. (laughs) See how I did that? (laughs) Madness, absolute madness. Oh, Rashawn, we love you.